It's working. Hallelujah. Thank you for the okay. time, Alex. Appreciate it, man. Uh, you're welcome, Mike. How are you? Doing great. Doing great. Lots to get into in a little bit of time. So I want to get into the Metal Allegiance, of course, and uh, mm-hmm. talk a little Nam and, and some other stuff you got going on. Talk a little Testament as well. But um, Absolutely. Let's start with the with the Metal Allegiance thing. It's the first time since 2020. Uh, certainly COVID played a big part in, in screwing up the Nam schedule. Did you go to the other uh, NAMs? Did you go to the summer and the spring versions of NAM? Yeah, uh, the last NAM I went to was 2020. Oh wow! And it was, but it was so early in 2020. You know, the, COVID was a not even a blip on the radar screen, um, but it would change in a very short time. <laughs> well, I'm glad it's finally but back. I, I haven't been to any of the others. I mean, obviously, it, it was canceled uh, the next year, right? And then they sort of did these mini NAMs and these NAMs at different times of the year. And I never went to any of those. Uh, most of the time I, I couldn't because of my touring schedule. Right. But um, yeah, only now that it's moved, been moved back to January, it's felt like this, it's a good time to revisit it. Well, I love it, man. Looking forward to it. It's always a highlight for the the NAM show is, is coming out to the Metal Allegiance and uh, lots of guests this year. I noticed uh, Doc Coyle on the bill. I don't think he's performed with you guys yet, but talk about the uh, the guests you have coming out for it. Yeah, that'll be the first time with Doc. I've known him for a long time. I've known him since uh, he was in uh, God Forbid. God yeah. Forbid was on some festival shows with Testament and um, I haven't seen him with bad wolves but i've been following and i've seen <laughs> bad wolves has done just fantastic and uh you know and he's also got the the, the wedding band with yeah. uh you know the all-star group with, kirk and robert great. so yeah and uh yeah he's doing so much and it's gonna be great to finally share a stage we've actually never shared a stage before and usually in the past, I know in the past Metal Legion shows, there's been some themes here and there. Is there any sort of theme or is it just kind of getting back to basics? Um, Yeah, usually there is a theme. I think this time we're not really doing a theme, mainly because it's the uh, 10th anniversary of the first Metal Legion's recording. Right. Which came out in um, 2014. You know, a little later in the year, but still same <laughs> same year. So I think because of that, we're really going to focus on the originals and just a few covers. And they are mostly classic covers that we've done before, but a, a couple new ones. But they'll be very familiar songs to everybody in the audience. Well, I look forward to it, man. I mean, just the the people that get assembled on stage and playing together. And then when there's cool stuff that happens, like at the last one where uh, Dave Lombardo and Gary Holt were playing together and playing some Slayer tunes or John Bush doing some Anthrax tunes with Charlie Benante. There's always some sort of little uh, reunion spiced in uh, throughout the uh, Metal Legion set. Yeah, those have been incredible reunions, really uh, epic moments that all have uh, Metal Allegiance to thank. So I don't know if there's going to be any situation like that. I'm not aware <laughs> of anybody being brought together in such a way. 
but it has happened before and you never know it could happen again i did want to heap some praise on some metal legions praise on you for one second most uh-huh. of the shows have been at at the uh house of blues but it, one or two has been at the grove of anaheim i'm pretty sure a couple years ago it was at the grove and i just remember you absolutely destroying in the best possible way slaying a prince cover and nailing the solo man it sounded exactly uh, uh, like uh. prince which was big props to you because that ain't easy to do yeah yeah i think uh that was the uh tribute um fallen heroes we did the fallen heroes yeah 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 absolutely absolutely and that was a real pleasure and um yeah people are surprised uh um i would have enough familiarity to um to be able to do that but you know that's i'm as much a prince listener as you know any anything else and um i always knew he was a an incredible guitar player but i think uh you know in the years since he's passed so many videos have been shared of him live doing these solos and pe- people can really <laughs> respect what he's done i mean he you know he did like van halen level <laughs> guitar pyrotechnics and uh quoted led zeppelin and you know so he, uh, there's so, there was so much more to print, so it was a shame to have to be able to um, play play a, a print song in that uh, under those circumstances. Yeah, but a, ple- a pleasure to pay tribute to. You know, speaking of the Nam time and paying tribute to fallen people and guitar gods, we got to talk about uh, a couple days before the uh, Metal Legion show and the big Leslie West tribute that you're doing for Music Cares. And talk a little bit about Leslie West as a player. He's a little bit before my time. I know Mississippi Queen, obviously, but mm-hmm. talk to him about his his importance to the to guitar and playing. Yeah, um, I'm so thrilled about this upcoming show this is actually going to be my first uh, public performance in 2024 and uh originally my schedule made it impossible to do that show but things worked out and i got added to it and it's um perfect for me because i've been a long time listener and fan of leslie west I first heard his name in an interview with Michael Shanker. Ah. And I was a big fan of Michael Shanker's guitar playing in UFO um, with his own Michael Shanker group and the early Scorpions. And I never knew where he got it from. I figured Jeff Beck was probably an inspiration and a little bit of Eric Clapton, but there was something else there. And he was the first one I remember mentioning Leslie West and Mountain in an interview. And that caused me to check out the music and it immediately became apparent. I could really hear it. (laughs) Just the, the great feel, um, you know, he, and he's, he was one of these no gimmick players. Yeah. And that's nothing against players who've done really well with gimmicks and tricks and stuff, but there's, (laughs) there's no like dive bombs. There's no, um overuse of effects i mean it's just raw you know just guitar amp overdrive and just wonderful use of notes and and riffs and um to be able to play pay tribute to him is a is a big honor and um 
you know, I think, um, yeah, people know Mississippi Queen, but there's also so much more than that. Um, I was also given uh, a couple early records of his by uh, an old aging Woodstock hippie I knew <laughs> at one point who would, you know, and he, he was trying to tell me, you know, this, you know, you're listening to these Ingve and, uh, <laughs> you know, Steve Vai guys, you need this, you need to listen to this. And um, so, and I knew his name again from the Michael Shanker interviews, but uh, those early records, Flowers of Evil, especially, um, just incredible playing. So beyond Mississippi Queen, like there's just deep cuts that people have no idea about. So I'm really excited. So it's it's his his thing is really bringing the feel to it. It sounds like more than the the technicality, you know, the Ingves and all that are are blazing through the notes. It, a lot of feel and emotion with his playing. It sounds like. Yeah, I mean, also, um, I mean, I think you know Eddie Van Halen had incredible feel and emotion as well. It sometimes got overshadowed <laughs> by like his use of the tremolo bar and feedback and wild stuff and you know similarly Jimi hendrix got a little bit overshadowed by the performance mm-hmm. aspect and uh you know the the effects and the showmanship and leslie west just played you know <laughs> Love he it, just man. played it was just about the music and um reminds me a little bit of um gary moore mm. you know, gary moore had a little bit of more speed and technique, especially in his um, pre-blues records. There was a whole period where he was doing records that were kind of in the vein of, you know, the Michael Shanker group. Um, It was definitely hard rock um, with just screaming guitar, but never a lot of effects, never a lot of, you know, not a lot of wah or whammy bar and stuff like that. Just... You know, a Gibson through a Marshall, just pure, very pure. Um, the to me, the, like all the Almond Brothers players mm. were like that. Yeah, you know, from the original guys, uh, you know, Dickie Betts and Dwayne Almond to Warren Haynes and <clears throat> Derek Trucks. Right, it's just pure playing, and um, that it's a different thing. And I like player, I like all different types of players, but I really have a special appreciation for these kind of pure players. <laughs> and Les, to me, Leslie West is the epitome of that style or that that uh, approach to playing guitar. Well, look forward to that that Music Cares event and, and seeing what you do out there. And I uh, want to talk a little testament with you, too. Talking about the House of Blues of Anaheim, that was the last time I got to see you on the uh-huh. uh, Bay Strikes Back tour. <clears throat> which was incredible, by the way. But I actually wanted to talk to you a little bit about the the greatest tour that never happened. And I thought it was a really interesting bill. Uh, Testament and the Black Dahlia murder. That oh, tour, I know. That tour that I never know. happened. Like at first glance, I went, what the? And then I went, well, I love both bands. And then I started to get really excited about the idea. And then unfortunately, it never happened. But um Wanted to talk a little bit about that. Remember Trevor a little bit, who also had a tune on the Metal Allegiance album, on the last Metal Allegiance mm-hmm. album, and The Accuser. Curious if you had any interaction with him and, and your uh, history with Trevor. Yeah, I had a lot of interaction with Trevor. You know, he uh, was on the East Coast. So I'm I'm based in New York. I, I moved 
to New York in uh, the late nineties. So, uh, yeah, when musicians are part of the East coast music scene, I, I tend to run into them more often. Makes sense. So I, yeah, I would see him around, uh, pretty sure i'd i'd been introduced to him at, at some point but we never really got to know each other until uh we needed uh, a singer for that song the accuser and i thought he would be perfect not for his main voice that he would do with black dolly murder but i i found sections of songs where he had this really different tone that i thought okay if you could take that tone and we make that the the main tone for the song. I thought that it would just be a really interesting way to uh, go about it. And he really brought his own identity to the song. And uh, yeah, we worked together. We sent uh, the, the recording back and forth. And, uh, you know, I would just encourage him, you know, uh, more of this maybe a little less of this, even though most of it was fantastic and just kind of gave him some direction. And, um, yeah. And then the shows we did together, it was, he was just a, a, so much fun to hang out with. Just a, a blast. So I was really looking forward to uh, us touring together. Yeah. And sadly it didn't happen both, you know, for, you know, for many reasons, but mainly because you know, we, Trevor has left us. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, we'll be paying tribute to him as well. Yeah, I just figured it wanted to shine a little light on him. We're talking about all these fallen heroes, and certainly yeah. he falls in that category. And certainly, you know, a unique thing that I think that Testament is one of the few bands that could go out with it, a pure death metal band like that. And it makes sense, large in part, to Chuck Billy's vocal de- delivery and, and style, which which makes it there, because the music's already just as heavy and, and thrashy as most deathcore bands. Is that something that you guys will maybe think about doing again in the future, going out with a, like a death metal? band a straight up death metal band like that yeah i I could see that i mean also there's plenty of overlap Mm -hmm. even though it's you know different generations and different subgenres of the music you know a brandon from black dahlia he was one of my favorite newer generation players you know he filled in with exodus Mm -hmm. when we toured with them last year and just did great and it doesn't matter, even though, you know, Exodus is a totally different subgenre right. than Black Dahlia. He, he, you know, fit the part and made, made it work. And I think on, on the same bill, there's no reason it wouldn't work. And, um, yeah, I think we want to reach different people now. I think if we were to just limit the band to people who grew up listening to the band or grew up to bands that... You know, we're roughly around at the same time or came out a few years before, like Anthrax. Sure. Uh, then we'd be really limiting the audience. And I think that, you know, the occasional shows we do when the, it is a different type of band. You know, another example is uh, Kill Switch Engaged. Oh, yeah. We did some shows with, with them and, and Lamb of God, who we probably have more com- in common with sonically. Yeah. But- yeah, with Killswitch, they bring a great crowd, and um, definitely some of those fans come on board. And also, I think uh, the summer festival shows are a great way to just get in front of audiences that might not 
have grown up with this music and are more familiar with the later bands or even you know different genres yeah I mean, we've done <laughs> festivals with everybody from you know prophets of rage when, <laughs> when they were going to um you know all bullet for my valentine to you know even last year even old bands that have been around longer like motley crew mm-hmm. and i yeah I, I love you know crossing the, the boundaries and just re, you know reaching fans you might not ex- expect so yeah well i think we'll always want to do that and you know speaking of testament last album was killer titans of creation kind of came out talking about the pandemic kind of came out <laughs> yeah. right during the pandemic but all kind of jams on that one children of the next level world war three dream deceiver are we starting to uh get into another testament album i mean you guys have kind of been on the four-year cycle it seems like we're we're due yeah, well, we yeah we got delayed a little bit by the fact that yeah, twenty twenty basically didn't exist. This right, year that was into <laughs> yeah went went away, <laughs> and then there there was so much touring to make up for. Yeah, and uh, for a, about a, a year of that, uh, we had uh, Dave Lombardo on drums, which was fantastic. And he's become a great friend and a great musician, but he's also spread very thin, right? In many different bands, and you know now we have Chris Dovis, you know, speaking of later generation guys, you know, and he's a guy old enough to be any of our sons, but <laughs> he is just unbelievable. He really brings the right energy. I mean, he brings the energy that you know the music had in the early days. So, um, yeah, we've been working with him on new material. I know Eric's been getting together with him. Eric has um, been on the East Coast a couple times, and we've gotten together and hashed out material. So between their sessions and my sessions and uh, the recordings that we have, there's a lot of sketches that are done on uh, digital audio workstations. Uh, there's there's a lot there's a lot of stuff. I made a list, and there's you know uh, almost a couple dozen sketches that just need to be consolidated and arranged, and sort of you know find the best parts, develop them a little more, add vocals. But it it's definitely well on its way. You just got to do all the fine shading now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and you can't rush it. And this is, I think. Um, this man learned very early on you can't rush it like the times in the past that the band sort of rushed to put out a recording it's just never felt completely satisfactory so sometimes it takes longer than it should but you know you can always count on a good result yeah i mean that that's the thing of it especially back in the day when you're on that touring cycle and you had to deliver an album now it's a lot easier that you can kind of take your time with it as, as you want what you mentioned that in the past was there an album in particular that you felt was kind of rushed that you didn't you wish you had more time on yes yeah well um anyone that comes to mind yeah so 100 percent. the the album souls of black now the title ah. track is great yeah it's, it's one of the favorite band tunes <laughs> classic and yeah yeah and um uh, i take some pride in you know coming up with the um intro on on bass 
and yeah, sort of developing the next part have, and combining it with some parts that that Eric had, and we would probably wouldn't change anything about that song and a few other songs, but um, just the production wise, we felt like it could it could have been better, mm. and we just felt the album as a whole could have developed a little more. It could just could have been a more um, monumental album had we had the, the time to work on it, but we were pressured. Um, it was, and it was one of these business situations. So we, we had offer, we had an offer to tour with uh, Judas priest, ah. which was a huge honor and they were playing arenas at the time. So that was our first time supporting in arenas. And at that, by then we'd been waiting for years to have that, an opportunity like that. Sure. But the, um, you know, the powers that be at, at the record label, you know, would not allow us to tour unless we had a <laughs> record. Out. And they had that, that power, you know, they could have just said, okay, here's some tour support money, even though of course they're going to get paid back. Right. They could have just given <laughs> us the money and let us tour. Um, yeah, I don't want to put all the blame on uh, Megaforce Records because we were on Megaforce, but we were also uh, distributed by Atlantic Records. Right. So I I don't know who is to blame. <laughs> you know, there was, there was a lot of finger pointing, <laughs> but they they could have just said, "Okay, you are still on the practice what you preach record cycle. Here's your tour support goes I support this record," and I think that would have been amazing. You know, maybe we could have done another single or something. But instead, yeah, we were told you know, the only way this is going to happen is if you go in the studio and do a, a whole record, and it's it's a lot. There's some groups that could pull it off, you know, but um, for the most part, you know, no. So <laughs> it wasn't a total loss, and we got to do the tour, and and you know, there's people who really like that album, but I know we really felt we realized that we don't work well under that kind of pressure. <laughs> they they kind of, in, in theory, held a gun to your head. You want to go on tour with Judas Priest? We need the record. <laughs> exactly. And it was a really short time. <laughs> and of course, you're like, yeah, we'll get it done. We want to go tour with our legends, you know, with the kids, we, yeah. with the guys we grew up on. Exactly. Well, I look forward to the new music, Alex. Last thing I got to hit you with, man. And I'm really looking forward to, to your thoughts on this. Uh, we're an old school radio station. We do a feature called Mandatory Metallica, which you're going to be a part of. Uh -huh. And I've been kind of doing this little Metallica debate over the past year or so, debating the greatest Metallica album with my buddy. And we kind of come down on opposing sides. So I want to get your pick out of these two. I'm fascinated uh -huh. to see where you come down. And it's Ride the Lightning versus master of puppets if you had to pick out of those two which would be your numero uno and why yeah well yeah well as soon as you mentioned two i mean <laughs> those those are the two yep <laughs> there's no question <laughs> immediately so yeah i mean yeah you you know right away it's got to be one of those two albums um so uh, yeah it's it's tough i, I would go with um master of puppets just because i think um they broke more they, they broke definitely broke ground on on the previous one but they broke even more ground on the on this one and i think the fact that um yeah here it is all these years later it, and the title track ended up back on the charts 
even though it's thanks to a a tv show still (laughs) to me that 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 says a lot and you can just point to so many uh groundbreaking and very you know bold moves on that record like in the title track instead of doing a slow intro and getting heavy you know like stopping in the middle of the song <laughs> and say okay right right here it's going to become a slow song <laughs> and then it's going to build back up to the fat i mean that's just unbelievable and pulling it off yeah and i love the dual solo in there during that slow part because there's not a whole lot of james and kirk playing dual leads right right yeah and it's just such a memorable part it's just very well orchestrated and <clears throat> great uh production yeah for that kind of music at the time like unheard of so it was it really pushed the music forward yeah i agree i think that the the sound forget songs for a second the sound the recording is so much better on master of puppets than it was on on the prior ride the lightning i mean ride the lightning kind of sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom at <laughs> at certain points where mm-hmm. i think master yeah. master of puppets is you know it, it feels thick it, it's a full sound spectrum and you know to have welcome home sanitarium and orion and you know touching yeah, kind of more so melodic, melodic stuff yeah. And then Damage Inc. and Disposable Heroes and Master of Puppets and Battery and like they still hit you over the head just as heavy. Yeah, well, they I think they always had this influence of film soundtracks. Yeah, Morritone is a, their intro music, right? And I think on with that album that started to influence the music, mm. right? It just felt it, it it had the the energy of the sort of you know punk meets new wave of British heavy metal, but just made it cinematic. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you have a favorite song we could play for you on mandatory Metallica? Um, yeah, I guess, uh, how about, I mean, it's, I got, it's not an original choice, but that, you know, that one, the title track master bring it. Yep. Always in a blast to talk to you. Can't wait for the Metal Allegiance and, and can't wait for the New Testament as well, man. Looking forward to that. Oh, you're welcome, Mike. Thanks for having me. Thank you, sir. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye-bye. Dude, you absolutely rock. Thank you so much for checking out the entire interview. Now just hit subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast, Radioactive Mike Z. My interviews in their entirety, available on all the major platforms. Tune in, Stitcher, iTunes, SoundCloud, whatever you're listening to right now. Just hit the subscribe button. Make sure to give me a follow on the socials as well. I'll follow you back at MikeZ967. And bro, don't miss the radio show. Now 10 p.m to midnight on 96.7 KCAL Rocks in the Southern California Inland Empire area, Riverside, San Bernardino County. Always streaming on live at kcalfm.com. You, my friend, absolutely rock.